Does anybody know that God is a keeper? I promise you he's a keeper. He keep you from things that you don't even know what you're being kept from. Sometimes I walked away from things and was like, oh, Lord, you was keeping me in that. God, I didn't even know that was going on. But he was a keeper. Somebody shout hallelujah. That he's a keeper. Danger was on, on, his, on my trail, but he was a what? Keeper. The devil was all the way behind me, but he was a what? The enemy wanted to take me out, but God was a Somebody give God praise if you know he's a keeper. I tell you, I'm a living witness that he's a keeper. Because there were some things that should have took me out. There were some things that would have taken me out. But because God was a keeper, I'm still here today. Look to somebody and say, hey, look. He's a keeper. I'm a living testimony. I could have been dead and gone. I should have been dead and gone. But God's grace and mercy allowed me to live on. Somebody said, I'm a living testimony. I don't have to look down the line. I can look in my life and see miracle after miracle, way after way that God has made in my life. I am a living testimony that God is real. If you know you're a testimony, give God praise right there. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for this opportunity to bless your name, to praise you. Father, I thank you now for this chance to share your word with your people. And Father, as we move forward in this service, God, my prayer is that you just have your way in this place, God. Have your way in this place. Father, I pray now that you send your fire of your Holy Ghost to burn upon the altars of our hearts, God. Father, that we may be fully consumed with passion for you. That, Father, that we may be fully consumed with zeal for you, Father. That we may be set on fire. Father, we sing the old song that somebody needs to catch on fire. And, Father, we pray that you help us to burn with the power of your Holy Ghost. Father, I pray now that you help me to preach with clarity, God. I pray now that you help me to preach with power and authority. Father, that your people may receive what you have to say to us. Father, I pray that you have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Give God praise in his house. Good morning, good people. Praise the Lord, everybody. Ah, y'all can do better. Praise the Lord, everybody. I declare that God is good today. I don't know about you guys, but I am excited for the word of God. And so let's get into it. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. On the lines of Sunday school this morning, we're going to dive a little deeper. We're going to backtrack from where Sunday school picked up at. Um, Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 13 through 35. Amen. As you're turning there, if you're willing and you're able, lift up on your feet just out of honor and respect for what God has to say. Amen. Now, as you're standing and your feet start hurting, I know, I know how it is sometimes. I, I, I respect you sitting down. Amen. Praise God. Because we're going to read quite a bit. Starting at verse 13. He says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was from Jerusalem, about three scores furlongs, about seven miles. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they were communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are what? Sad. Somebody shout sad. And one of them whose name was Cleopas, Cleopas answering and said unto them, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass therein these days? And he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trust that it had been he which would, should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And, and certain women also of a, of, a, of a company, of our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came to us saying that they have, have also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Somebody shout alive. And certain of them which were with um, us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but he they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning what? Himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass that as he sat at, at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. The Bible says, And their eyes were what? open. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn? Hallelujah. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up the same hour, in the same moment, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. 35 will conclude our reading. And they told what things were done in the way, and he was known of them in breaking of what? Bread. Just for a few moments, I want to preach and teach from a thought, it's right in your face. Look to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I don't know what you're looking for, but it's right in your face. Give God praise right there. Let my mama tell it and my grandma tell it. 
I had this thing, growing up, I had this thing called selective hearing. My mama would come to me and she'd say, Callan, you hear what you want to hear. When you want to hear it. And oftentimes, she would say this following a time when she was trying to tell me something. And I didn't quite seem to understand what she was saying. It's like I hear the sound of her voice. And I knew that she was speaking to me. But what she was saying wasn't clicking in my mind. I was missing the whole point that she was trying to make to me. I was missing what she was trying to get me to understand in that moment. If I could be honest with you guys this morning, if I could be honest with you guys, I knew I had selective hearing sometimes. Because sometimes my selective hearing was due to my fixation on something else. There were times when I was glued to, the, my, to my game and my device that I didn't fully hear what my mama was trying to say. There were times when I was stuck playing out scenarios in my mind which caused me not to be able to actively listen to my mama. There were other times when I was just frustrated and in my feelings that I simply didn't want to hear what my mama had to say. So my fixations caused me to not understand my mother the first time she spoke to me. That my fixations caused me to miss the whole point that my mother was trying to make to me. My mama was right in my face trying to say what she wanted to say, saying what she needed to say, but I was still missing it. And as I was reading and I was studying our text for this morning's, this morning's service, the Lord made the same point to me concerning these two disciples on their way to Emmaus. As they were walking to Emmaus, they were conversing about all that had happened. Mind you, this is after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has gotten up from the grave and the angels have come and declared that hey, hey, he's not here anymore, but he has risen. So now they're on their way back home talking about what has happened. And in the middle of that conversation, Jesus shows up and joins in. Follow me. However, because they were so fixated on the details of that morning, they failed to see God in that actual moment. I'm going to say that again. Just because they were fixated on the details of that morning of that the grave was empty and, and the angels had appeared and the women had told them this and they thinking that the soldiers took the body. They were so fixated on that that they couldn't see Jesus in that moment. They were so caught up on this and that that they failed to perceive and recognize that Jesus was walking right in them with them. Jesus, the resurrected Savior, was right in their faces, but they couldn't see him for who he was. And it's crazy to me how we can come so close to a divine encounter. We can come so close to a divine experience and still miss it. Good God from Zion. Because we are fixated on the wrong things. That our blessings and our breakthroughs can be right in our faces, but we miss them because we're fixated on the wrong things. That we allow our failure to understand the logic and the logistics of things to hinder us from seeing our Lord as he's walking with us. We sometimes let what happened yesterday or in our past, it hinder and blind us from how God is trying to reveal himself to us in this moment. That whatever God has for you is right here in your face, but you can still miss it. Can I make it plain to us this morning? Sometimes we come to church and still miss God because we're fixated on the wrong things. 
We, can, we become fixated that somebody's sitting in my seat, and they know I sit in that seat every Sunday. I don't even know why they thought they, they even sitting there. We get fixated on the wrong things. Somebody say we, we get fixated on making sure people see us in our new outfit. Some of us, we get fixated on, on how things is not our preference and our liking, and so we miss God. Sometimes we miss God how God wants to move on our jobs because we get fixated on how nasty people's attitudes are. Some of us, we get so fixated on hurt of our past that we can't see how God is trying to heal us in this moment. And I'm trying to help somebody. God wants to personally reveal himself to you. This morning, this morning, as he did with the two disciples in that text, God wants to personally, personally reveal himself to you. He wants to be with you in your daily walk of life. He wants to be incorporated and involved in what you do every day. And as he did with these two disciples in the text, he wants to show up in your life on a real level. Somebody say, let it be real. Go ahead, put your preacher voice. Say, let it be real. It's not just a theory, God, but it's not just a theory. It's not just hearsay, but God wants it to be real in your life. Because I have a problem with the church today. Sometimes in the church, we treat God's word as if it's just a theory. We treat it as if it's just a theory. It's just a system of ideas intended to explain something. It's, we treat it that it's just a form of thinking. And as, as, as if this church stuff that we're doing is just something we do to intrigue our minds, to stir our spirits to feel better. But God says, no, I don't want it to just be a theory. I want it to be real to you. We do this church thing just because we were taught to do it, just because we were supposed to do it. Because by theory, if we do it, something is supposed to happen in our lives. But I come to tell somebody this morning that the gospel is not a theory. It is real life. I'm trying to tell Let me say it again. The gospel is not theory, but it is real life. It is a reality. The gospel is not just something that we have to intellectually fascinate us. No, it is the power of God unto salvation. So we have to be careful to not boil down God's word to just a book of symbolic meaning. And a book of just a, a symbolic meaning that we read to just try to find meaning of this and find meaning of that. No, because if you do that, if you boil God's word down to just a book of symbolic meaning and not actual history, you'll miss out on the power of God. Yeah. That the power of God is right in our face, but we will miss it if we boil and water his word down. That God wants to make his resurrection real to you in your life. I want to say that again. God wants to make his resurrection real in your life. We said, we said it last Sunday that he died, but early on the third day morning, he got up with all power in the palm of his hand. And his resurrection is not just a theory. It's not just a thought. It's not just a form of thinking. No, it's the real deal. And he wants to give you proof, and you can receive this, that God wants to give you proof that he is still alive and well. Let me say it again. God wants to give you proof in your life that he is still alive and well. But don't miss him as he shows up because you're fixated on the wrong things. That God wants to show up to you and show you that he's real. But if you're fixated on the wrong things, you can miss God. Am I helping somebody this morning? So in our text, I want us to take note of these disciples' response 
to all that had transpired. Watch this. Jesus had gotten up from the grave, and the angels appeared to confirm his resurrection. But the Bible says that they were walking away from Jerusalem, what? Sadly. Somebody shout sadly. Somebody go ahead. Shout sadly. So I got a problem with these two disciples. When they were supposed to be walking away shouting, they were walking away sorrowful. When they were supposed to be walking away with the celebration, they were walking away, what, crying. When they supposed to have been walking away happy, they were walking away hurt. And I, I, I was confused. I was confused. I was confused why they was this way because God had just performed the biggest miracle in history. The biggest miracle there is, and they were still sad. And I was supposed to ask to why y'all still sad because Jesus got up from the grave. So this week I sat and I asked God, God, why were these disciples walking away with the wrong response to your resurrection? And then God showed me this, that these two disciples, they were walking away from the empty grave sad because their revelations were incomplete. I'm about to make it make sense. These disciples were walking away from the empty grave sad because their revelations were incomplete. They were walking away with the wrong spirit because they had failed to see what God had accomplished. They understood what happened in the physical. They understood what happened in the carnal realm, but they failed to understand what had transpired in the spirit. That they knew the grave was empty. The angels appeared and Jesus' body was gone, but it didn't click in their hearts that God had overcome sin and, sin and death itself. That God has fulfilled his word and promised to his people. They had the right, watch this, they had the right information. They had the right facts about their reality, but they lacked a proper interpretation of it. And can I submit to us this morning that some of us are walking away from things sad that we should be walking away shouting about because we lack the proper revelation and perception of what God has done. For example, the reality may be you lost your job, but the revelation may be that God is trying to set you up for something better. So while you, you fixated on the loss, good God from Zion, you can't see that your new job is right in your face. The reality may be that your relationship didn't work out, but the revelation is that God was saving you from something that you were not even aware of. The reality may be that your body is sick. But the revelation is that God sees more than what the doctors can see. That God has more power than the doctors can have. The revelation that God wants to use this sickness for his glory. The reality may be that you lost somebody. The reality may be you lost someone. But the revelation may be that God wants to use this, use this loss to lead someone to him. And I need to help somebody that if you want to walk away from your situation shouting, then you need to get a revelation about your reality. If you really want to understand, if you want to have joy walking away from what seemed to be lost, you need to get a revelation from God. And if we want the proper revelation from God, we have to ask ourselves and the Holy Spirit, when this happened, what did God accomplish? Ask yourself, ask yourself, and you can ask yourself, somebody, somebody, somebody got a situation on your mind now as I'm speaking, I feel you, and I need you to ask yourself, when this happened, 
What did God accomplish? When that person walked away out of my life, what did God accomplish? When I got that report at the doctor, what did God accomplish? When that happened, what did God accomplish? For we know that the Bible says, Romans 8 and 28, that all things what work together for the what? Of them that what love the Lord and called according to his purpose. So the question is, what good did God accomplish from this whole situation? When you are trying to find revelation in your reality, you have to ask yourself, what good did God accomplish in this whole situation? And our answer to this question is going to be the revelation that changes our response. The Jesus in our text, even though the disciples, they were fixated on what happened that morning, he wanted to change their response. Therefore, he had to give them a new revelation. I hope I'm making sense. And so in order to give them a new revelation, Jesus had to walk them through two things. Number one, they got the right revelation when they had a conversation. Somebody shout conversation. Oh, you can shout, say conversation. The first step of revelation is a conversation with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The first step of revelation is a conversation with Jesus. Growing up, I used to hear my grandfather say that just a little talk with Jesus will make everything all right. That a little talk with Jesus brings peace, it brings perspective, and it's going to bring understanding. And I believe that sometimes we are missing God because we're trying to talk things through with people and not take it to him. I'm going to say that again. I think sometimes we miss the revelation behind our situations because we're always trying to talk it through with people and not take it to him in prayer. I'm going to say it again for somebody that feel like they need to vent. Sometimes we miss God in our situations because we keep trying to talk it through with people and not take it to him in prayer. Yet, when we are going through our situations... Yet when we are walking away from a a, a situation, we don't need opinions. We do not need opinions. We don't need what people think. We need a word from God. We don't need to hear what people think. We need to hear what God has said concerning it. And I just need to tell somebody, let Jesus talk to you about it. You let everybody else talk to you about it. You post it on social media. You put it on your private store. You put it on this. You post it on Snap. You post it on Instagram. But let Jesus talk to you about it. Let Jesus talk to you about it. And when talking to the disciples this time in our text, I noticed that Jesus did not automatically show them the wounds on his hands and his side as evidence of his resurrection. Jesus could have easily, when they said they wouldn't, when they were questioning that Jesus got up from the grave, Jesus could have easily been like, hey, y'all, look, it's me. Look at my hands. Look at my side. It's, I, I'm, I'm here. But Jesus didn't do that. But he took them to the word. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't point them to his hands. He pointed them to what? The word. Somebody shout the word. When, I, I hear you, baby. Shout word, DJ. Whenever God is going to speak to us, he's going to always reference his word. You can put this in your note. So whenever God is going to speak to us, he is always going to reference in his, reference his word. In the conversation with the two disciples, 
Jesus walked with them from Moses to John the Baptist, showing how everything that was mentioned and spoken was, was pointing to who he was and what he had to do. Jesus pointed out that he was the Moses that rescued God's people from slavery and sin. He was Eve's seed that crushed the serpent's head. That he was Abraham's ram in, in the bush. He was, he was Ruth's Boaz. He was Solomon's lily in the valley. He was the baby born of a virgin. He was the king born in Jerusalem. He was the one that everybody was talking about in the Old Testament. That everything that was prophesied was pointing to the fact that God was, was performing a bigger work in Jesus. And watch this. And simply because God said it and he called it before it happened is proof in itself that the resurrection had to be real. Because you, watch this, you cannot deny that God is real and the Bible is reliable when God says something is going to happen before it happens and it happens the way he said it would. You see, prophetic fulfillment is direct evidence that the gospel is real. You see, the Bible is filled with so many prophecies that have been fulfilled. And because God, the Bible has said something, that it was going to happen the way it happened, and it performed it, and it happened the way that it did, we ought to believe the Bible. Prophetic fulfillment is direct evidence that the gospel is real. All Jesus was trying to tell the disciples is that if they really wanted to know what was going on in their lives, if they really wanted to know what was going on in the world around them, all they had to do was look in the scriptures. That if they wanted to know what happened and why it had to happen the way it did and what was going on, what was going to happen next, they simply had to look in the scriptures. And somebody here Maybe asking the same questions about your life. What is really going on in my life? Pastor Kyle, what, what, why is this happening to me in, in this way? Pastor Kyle, what's, what's going to be next for me? And all I'm trying to tell you to do is get in God's word. I'm trying to tell you, God has already spoken and called how your life is meant to be. He has already spoken and called what we will see in this world. We just have to apply ourselves to looking to see what he has said. I heard one preacher say it this way, that the Bible is the only book that predicts the future. Yeah. The Bible is the only book that predicts the future. The Bible is the only book that can tell us which choice we need to make and which direction we need to take. This is why Bible study is important. Amen, praise God. Let me say it again. This is why Bible study is important. Because I don't know about anybody else, I like to know what's going on. I like to be in, in on the know. And when I pray and I read my word, somehow, some way, I don't know how it is, things start making sense. When I start praying and reading my word, things start making sense. Stuff just start adding up. I just start understanding. I just being to know. I know stuff sometimes simply because I prayed and I read my word. When the doctor gives me a bad report, I know that I'm going to be all right. Why? Because I prayed and I read my word. And the word says that he was bruised for my iniquities. He was, he was, he was whipped for my, my transgressions. And he, says, and he says, with his stripes, we are what already healed. I know when people are fake and phony. Good God from Zion. I, I know when people are fake and phony, when they smile in my face, but they really have an intention to stab me in my back. I know them because I prayed and I read my word. And my word told me to be aware of wolves and sheep clothing. 
I'll, watch this. I know that when I'm going through, I know that uh, when all hell's breaking loose in my life, I know that I'm going to be all right. Why? Because I prayed and I read my word and I read that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. I know stuff sometimes because I prayed and read my word. That I had a conversation with Jesus. And because I had a conversation with him, I now have a revelation. And I need to tell somebody this morning, don't walk out of your time with God without a revelation. Don't walk out of your time of prayer, your time of praying through and reading God's word without a revelation. Don't move and let your prayer moment, don't move and leave your prayer moment until God makes something click on the inside of your spirit. Because some, so many times... I have people come up to me and they say, Colin, what is the Lord saying to me? Colin, Colin, what, what, what's the word of the Lord to me in this season? I, I have a friend. Every few weeks she called me and she just FaceTime me and she say, prophesy to me. She's like, what is God saying? And oftentimes my response is, read your word. They want to know what God is saying. He said, read your, read your Bible. Because the vision that God is going to give me is based off of something he's already said in his word. You see, watch this. I prophetically know things and can hear God because I have studied his book. And if you want a sure prophetic word, if you want to know what God has to say about your situation, pray for God to give you a book, a chapter, and a verse. Pray for God to give you a Bible story. Pray for God to give you a biblical character. Pray for God to give you a commandment or an event and study that thing until it makes sense in your life. That if you really want a revelation behind your reality, if you really want to see what's right in your face, you need to have a conversation with God. And you have a conversation in prayer and reading his word. I pray I'm making sense this morning. Not only did he have a conversation, but they also had revelation when they had the right company. I'm getting ready to go. They had the right company. After Jesus had walked the disciples through the word. They made it to the village at Emmaus. And the text says that Jesus acted as if he was going to go on a little further. But the disciples begged him to stay with them because it was getting late in the evening and the sun had gone down. And they wanted to stay with this man in this man's presence as much as they could. So these three men became each other's company for the night. And so watch this. As they were eating supper, as they were at the dinner table, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it. And then it all made sense to the other two. They realized that this wasn't a stranger this entire time, that it was their Savior. They realized that they weren't keeping company of just anybody, that it was Jesus himself. And when they invited, watch this, when they invited Jesus in, they got to see who he was. I'm going to say that again. When they invited Jesus in, they got to see who he was. When they let Jesus into their personal space, he revealed himself to them. And I'll come to tell somebody, God is waiting for you to respond to him. God is waiting for you to extend the invitation for him to come into your life. That God is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He, therefore, he's not going to force himself in your, into your space. He's not going to force himself into your life. He's not going to force you to choose him. He's not going to force you to choose what he has for you. No, when you give God a full yes into what he is presenting to, to you, that is when everything will become real. 
When you give, when you welcome God into your personal space, that is when everything will become real. When the disciples welcome Jesus into their home, they put themselves, watch this, in a position to experience more of God. And I don't know what it may look like in your life, but in this season, it is imperative that you intentionally put yourself in a position to experience more of God. It's imperative, it's important, it's, it's crucial that you intentionally put yourself around people that you can experience more of God with. It's important, it's imperative that you put yourself around places where you can experience more of God in. It's important, it's imperative that you put yourself around things that you can experience more of God in. That your environment, environment is going to breed your experience. I'm going to say that again. Your environment is going to breed your experience. What experience is your environment creating for you today? What experience is your environment creating for you today? The company that you keep is going to be what affects your revelation and experience of God. So my question for you this morning is what company are you keeping? The company that you're keeping is what's going to help you either see God or continue to be blind to God. I'm going to say that again. The company that you're keeping, the people, the places, and the things that you fill up your personal space with is either going to keep you from seeing God or it's going to open your eyes to God. What are you allowing yourself to connect with? What are you allowing to take up your time? What are you allowing to engage your mind with? What are you welcoming into your personal space in life? That is what's going to keep you from seeing what's right in your face. So I'm done. When these disciples recognized who Jesus was, once they, their eyes were opened to Jesus at the dinner table, their whole story changed. Once they recognized who Jesus was, their whole story changed. They no longer had to wonder what happened and, and if, God had, if God was who he said he was, but now they were for sure that Jesus had gotten out the grave. Why? Because they had a personal encounter with him. And I come to tell somebody, when you really see who God is, your story is going to change. That when you really have a personal encounter with God, your story is going to change. The disciples, they said that their hearts were burning when Jesus was speaking to them. And when you get into the presence of God, when you get into the presence of God, something starts burning on the inside of you. When you get into the presence of God, something starts burning on the inside of you. I'm reminded that this wasn't the first time that the fire was burning inside somebody when they got into God's presence. But Jeremiah, he, when he said, I was ready to call it quits. I was ready to throw in the towel. I was tired of being rejected. I was tired of going through. I was tired of being rejected. But he says, no, when I wanted to throw in the towel, it was something on the inside of me saying, you got to go on just a little while longer. It was something on the inside of me. And Jeremiah said, it was just like fire shut up in my bones. When I wanted to give up, something said, you got to keep on going. Because it was just like what fire shut up in my mouth. That the fire of God on the inside of us is consuming everything that is not like him. And I come to tell somebody, you can receive this, that the fire of God is purifying your heart from all the hurt that you experience. All of the doubt, 
all of the misunderstandings, all of the rejection, all, all of the hurt that you experience, God says, I'm going to send my fire to consume everything that's keeping you from seeing me for who I am. And because, watch this, God set me on fire, my life is forever changed. Because God set me on fire, my story has changed. The disciples, they went back to the, uh, the other disciples and they said, hey, y'all, look, Jesus has gotten up from the grave because we experienced him for ourselves. And because, uh, can I testify just for a few moments, because I have experienced Jesus for myself, my story has changed. My testimony has changed. I now say I don't walk like I used to walk. Why? Because my soul has been set on fire. I don't talk the way I used to talk. Why? Because my soul has been set on fire. I don't hang around the people I used to hang around because my soul has been set on fire. Because my soul has been set on fire, my story has changed. And not only that, good God from Zion, because my story has changed, I can now say, if you're talking about Jesus, he's a mighty good friend of mine. That if you're talking about Jesus, he's a friend of mine. That when you see me crying, you don't have to worry about me because I know that my Jesus walks with me. I know that my Jesus talks with me. I know that my Jesus tells me that I am his own. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to cry anymore. I don't have to wonder anymore. I don't have to worry anymore. Why? Because my Jesus has revealed himself to me. And I have had a personal encounter for him myself. That you can't make me doubt him. Good God from Zion. Because I know too much about him. You weren't there. When the doctor said, hey, Colin, you, you're on your way out of here. But God says, no, you shall still live. You weren't there when I was down on my back. Didn't know how I was going to get well. But Jesus stepped into the room and said, hey, Colin, be healed. And you don't, you don't know. You weren't there when I was confused and out of my mind. But Jesus stepped into the room and he was a mind regulator. You weren't there when I had more bills than I had money but Jesus stepped in and he paid every single one of my bills you weren't there when all of my friends turned and walked away but Jesus walked in and he showed me for who he was and now because God has showed me who he is my story has changed now God has showed me who he is my story has changed and I need to tell somebody today, God wants to change your story. I don't care what it looks like. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what this chapter of your life has been holding and what it has happened to you. God says, I want to change your story. He changed the disciples' story. They had a new walk. They had a new talk. And God says, I want to give you a new talk today. All you have to do is just welcome me in. The Lord says, I stand at the door and knock. He says, if anybody open unto me, I will come in and what's up with him. God says, today I will change your story. God says, today I can change your story. A a, 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 watch this. A plot twist is right here in your face. That God would turn your situation around right here today if you will welcome him. Yeah. 